Hello, and welcome back to the Habes podcast, Superhuman. My name is Zach Haber, and I am happy to have you back with us after our initial launch with Keith Gable, and pleased to announce the second episode with Kansas City Sporting MLS nutritionist Amy Dirks. Amy and I sat down and talked about her life, her career, how she got into the MLS, as well as her life with food and nutrition outside of sports. Also, we touched on what she's currently doing and the future she hopes to pave with that work. I hope you enjoy and thank you for listening. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's good to finally see you in person. I know, right? Yeah. It's awesome. It's yeah. always good to put a, a face, you know, with a voice and yeah. Um, anyway, it's been Funny, a while, was, so good. good I know, to right? Reconnect. Yeah, I was thinking about our first time that we talked. I was in, like in my car, headed to a store, um, and uh, it was just and great. It was just easy. I think I was uh, in a hotel room at training camp in Arizona. <laughs> nice, I love it. Sweet. Well, thanks for joining me. Yeah, I appreciate are the you, support. Um, are you in California still or where yeah, are you so, at now? So in 2020, I was in San Francisco. Right. Um, and I was in a year-long lease where I just couldn't get out of it. And I wanted to leave um, right when COVID started. Like I wanted to travel and do what you, know, do what you did, hit the road. Right. Um, but uh, I highly recommend it. <laughs> I know, right? It sounded amazing from what I read. So that was cool. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so my lease ended in December and... Let's see. I basically picked out places between Colorado, Los Angeles, and Saturday in LA. I had networks in both spots, but it was just an easier transition, a one-day trip, you know, drive basically. Um, packed all my stuff up and headed down south. So I'm in LA. Awesome. Good yeah. for you. Thanks. So uh yeah, it's good. I'm gonna miss it. I'm heading to Arizona for May just to uh play some golf, go for some hikes, bike. Um, I have a road bike in the back, um, and uh, I don't know. It should be fun, but then I'm going to head to Colorado in June. So yeah, that's so cool. I mean, yeah. both both places like just beautiful scenery and and such good places to ride bikes and hike and and do all the things outside. So yeah, yeah, it should be fun. Have you been to like Sedona and Flagstaff that area? Yep. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> um. I think I could live in the desert. Honestly, it's, I love the temperament and, um, and just the natural beauty. And, um, I don't know. I actually, my in-laws are there right now. So they're, they're doing the RV thing as well. They went to Oakland to see my brother-in-law and sister-in-law and, um, they're just sort of flying by the seat of their pants and, you know, wherever the road takes them sort of thing. So I love it. Awesome. Well, thanks again. I'm like, I'm psyched to talk to you um, and just kind of get to know more about you. Um, So registered dietitian, registered dietitian, dietitian, nutritionist, licensed dietitian, certified strength and conditioning specialist, certified personal trainer, plus like previous MLS nutritionist, right? Yes. Did I miss anything? No, no. But you know, I mean, all those letters and stuff, people don't, People don't necessarily know what they mean. And, and 
it's more about your life experiences and yeah. how you can connect and relate to people than it really is. Um, cause I could just keep going and get more certifications and, but it's, it's just more book knowledge. And, um, yeah. I, just, I feel like, you know, there's no, that, that can only take you so far. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> nice. I love it. I mean, if you were to get another cert, what would you get? Where would you go from there? I would probably get certified, um, in integrative nutrition. Okay. So more of a holistic, um, that, that is me to my true nature. Um, but you know, I was traditionally trained, um, through K-State Yeah. and, and then over, over time, over experiences, I just realized like, you know, telling people to have like the, the old food guide pyramid, you know, six to 11 servings of grains a day is not really that healthy when we have a wheat product with tons of glyphosate and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're crossbreeding it with different strains and it's becoming like this foreign substance in our gut and our gut can't digest it and break it down. And anyway, that was a, that was a big tangent, but, um, I just sort of taught myself, um, more of a integrative functional nutrition approach and, and read all kinds of books and, um, just realized that that the body is meant to work synergistically as a whole, not broken up into all these systems. And so, um, you know, the traditional medical system is, is to me broken because you can't, you can't just go see someone for your heart and not deal with your gut or, you know, um, go see someone for just diabetes and, and not deal with other issues. So I just think it all should work together. And, um, and so that's what, that's what I try to do with nutrition is, is look at the body as a whole. It's a, it's a whole picture. So. I love it. It's uh, yeah, I mean, easier said than done though, right? Uh, absolutely. I would say, uh, nutrition is, is a really tough field and, you know, there's so much contradictions out there. And, um, even me as, as a nutrition specialist, like I still have a hard time, like sifting through all of it and figuring out what's, what's real and what's not. And, you know, um, how to, how to relate it to people in a way that's not because they're not eating vitamin C they're eating oranges. And, um, you know, we focus so much on the, the names of like the macronutrients and micronutrients. And, but really it's a, it's just about eating the whole food, you know, real food. So. Yeah. I love it. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's kind of how I see it too. Uh, so my mom is Greek and my dad is from Eastern Europe and I've really been getting into blue zones right now. Blue zone diets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fascinating stuff. And Absolutely. yeah, longevity for me is definitely a long-term goal right now. Um, yeah, that's so awesome. It's, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, you know, I find it really interesting with the blue zones is that, you know, they're, they're spread out all over the place and, and those people are eating locally, right? Like what, yeah. what their diet is. So it doesn't necessarily mean that that universal approach, like 
every, everybody should be eating fish and rice and vegetables. Well, that, that's not how, you know, they do it in Italy or Sicily. And so, but maybe that's how they do it in Okinawa or anyway, yeah. I, I think the blue zones is, is a really cool, um, uh, thing to learn about and to strive for. Yeah. Uh, it's it's been a blast um a lot of oatmeal recently which has been good and tasty um but i haven't i don't know i used to i don't know what your morning routine is but like i usually wait until about 12 p.m to eat just like when i'm hungry um yeah. and whether that's good or not i you know i don't know i'm sure it's better to get some nutrition in me immediately but um i don't know i'm just kind of, it's it's working for me out you know so i don't know well hey you you said it right there it's working yeah, for you and totally. so that's that's what people have stopped listening to their bodies yeah. And they let other people tell them what they should be doing. And so we've lost tune to ourselves and, um, a diet is your eating style. It's what you can see yourself doing every day for the rest of your life. It's, it's not temporary or else it's, you know, it's not going to be practical. And, yeah. um, there, there is a lot of benefit to fasting, you know, if, and that's kind of what I do too. Like, um, I, I cut off at like seven or 8 PM and then I try, and I don't do this every day, but sure. I try to not eat my first, um, break my fast until 11 or 12 the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, that varies. I think it's different for males and females with, with hormones and stuff. So fasting for men is, um, a little bit easier, um, for women. I, I think it's a little trickier and it needs to be, um, like not every day all the time. Um, yeah. so sort of cyclical, I guess you could say. Um, and you know, sometimes I bulletproof my coffee and, you know, supposedly that doesn't break your fast depending yeah, on what that's... you're putting in your, in your coffee. So, right here. yeah. Um, and then other days I'll have an English breakfast tea and, yeah. um, maybe I will eat, eat something. It's usually something with eggs or a smoothie or, um, or if I'm trying to like come up with a new recipe or, um, experiment a little bit, then I'll, I'll make whatever it is, um, that I'm trying to experiment with. And then I'll try that as my breakfast. I love it. I actually, um, like with COVID and the restrictions of public facilities, I actually cut off coffee just because, um, you know, I had a reaction that I don't, I don't want to get into, but like, you know, I would go out in the, like on the weekends, like hiking, golfing, whatever. And I just thought, you know what, like, why don't I just get into tea? And I, I mean, I love coffee. Like I love my coffee, black, strong, but I'm surprised at myself that I've been able to sustain and put tea and just not even look back at coffee. It's kind of interesting. That's but. awesome. What, what type of tea are you into right now? Like green tea in the morning for sure right off the bat. And then, um, I got, so organic India is a company that I've just fell in love with. Um, okay. the flavor is incredible. Um, so their green tea is great. I use their turmeric tea as well. They have two versions, one with ginger, one without, and then they have this, um, Oh my Lord, I'm blanking on the name, but it's this purple packaging and, um, it's like a Jasmine, but not a Jasmine. And it starts okay. with an, an R and it's just delicious. So, um, it just varies. And, um, actually, I don't know. Have you ever gotten into blue Lotus at all? Into what? Blue, blue Lotus. Nope. Yeah. So a buddy of mine texted me about blue Lotus tea and how it helps calm the nerves. Um, it's a great 
post dinner relaxation um, application basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's on my nightstand just to remind me, but I think I have to move it because I've gotten used to not using it. Um, so I have to just force myself to, um, or not. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah. Uh, um, I, I would say my favorite tea is Puka nighttime tea. Love it. That's, that's the one that, um, you asked me what I'm obsessed with and, yeah. and I'm not obsessed with much, honestly. Like I, I don't, I don't tend to like gravitate towards things that I get addicted to or, um, but I do love that relaxation that it gives me at night before bed. And, um, it, it has lavender in it, of course, but it also has several other things. And, um, I, I give it to my husband, my kids, like if they need to relax and I recommend it to people who are struggling with, with sleep. Um, obviously routine is important. Um, you know, and if you're having caffeine throughout the day, but, um, one of the things besides like an Epsom salt bath to relax at night and get that magnesium in there. And, um, that nighttime tea is another thing that I try to recommend. And even if you need to put a little honey in it, honey helps with sleep too. So, um, you know, you wouldn't want too, too much sugar in there, but a little honey in your tea is not so bad. That's cool. I didn't really, I didn't never realize that. That's awesome. Um, did you, I mean, did you always feel this way? Like, like, how did you grow up? What was that? What was food like in that, in that part of your life? Oh my gosh. Well, this, this might be a long story, Zach. Um, okay. well, so, you know, go, go, whatever makes you comfortable. Okay. Well, I, I grew up in a really small, um, rural town in okay. Southeast Missouri, actually. Cool. And the name is Bernie. Um, nobody's going to have heard of it before and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was about 1800 people. So uh, a big time farming community. And so my first job was chopping cotton. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then of course, you know, as I got, got older, babysat, and then I worked in the local grocery store. So being an athlete, um, cause I played volleyball and softball in high school. Um, I, I would say, wanting to, to play as good as I can. And, you know, that athlete mindset of, um, I want to be the best that I can be and how can I do that? But not knowing, not having someone that could, you know, help or teach me. Um, that was the time when the low fat craze was in full effect. And for vanity purposes, I thought that, you know, oh, well, I need all this low fat food. And so I would literally make my mom buy like separate groceries for me. Nice. Um, but I, I also, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know that it was basically taking out the fat and adding sugar and then making it twice as expensive as it needed to be. So, sure. um, I, I always tell my mom, I'm like, thank you for your patience with me growing <laughs> up because I'm sure I drove you nuts. Um, so I, I just felt like, you know, I always had a home cooked meal. We, we never ate out there. There weren't many options to eat out. Um, but if we did, it was a special occasion, even for a fast food restaurant. Like, so the fact that I ate at home all the time was my saving grace. However, you know, that was the time when convenience foods was really pushed on families and kids and moms. And, um, you know, my mom, worked her butt off and my parents were divorced when, you know, I was like 12. And, um, 
So she, she did what she could to make ends meet, but that meant like a, a lot of processed foods. And, and again, with me not knowing any, any better, I was having Doritos and drinking Pepsi or whatever. And, um, and at some point I just was like, this, this, this can't be good. I, I need to stop. And, um, my grandma always cooked everything at home from scratch. And so I was really interested in, in that. And I would follow her around in the kitchen and kind of learn some things from her. And, um, and then going to college, um, that was when I really got interested in it. Cause I, I gained the freshman 15 as they call it. Nice. Um, but I also was having a lot of, um, ailments, I guess you could say I was, I was going to a doctor for my allergies who's, who told me that I was going to have to be on Singular and Allegra and, um, you know, medicine basically forever, Flonase. And, and then I was having acne issues. And so I went to a dermatologist. I had all the different antibiotics, you know, to try to get rid of that. Um, I was having stomach issues. I joint, oh my gosh, my joints were just so inflamed and, but I thought it was volleyball, you know, like, so it's, let me take some ibuprofen, let me ice and, and heat and do all those, those things. And, um, it, it wasn't until I changed my diet that it changed my life and all, all of those things went away. I, I mean, I cannot even, it was like a miracle, right? Like, stopped having stomach issues. I stopped having acne. I, I, I never use allergy meds anymore. Um, except for when I'm around dogs that like, you know, their, their dander drives me crazy. But other than that, like, so I can attest to what food can do for you. It is the most powerful drug, um, out there and it's the most underutilized, um, anti-inflammatory painkiller, antidepressant, anti-anxiety, like that, that we use, like we're, we're willing to take a pill with all the side effects to try to get rid of whatever's going on with us versus looking at what we're putting into our mouths. And, and so that's the, that's the struggle, right? So, yeah. Was there one immediate change that you made in that time where that stood out that you still think of? It was like, that was the most impactful or was it kind of just everything? Um, gosh, I mean, I had stopped drinking like sodas and, um, having candy, like all that simple sugars and and that definitely helped. Um, but I, I would like to say it's, it was cutting out cereal, crackers, bread, um, you know, those, those type of carbohydrates. So now I would say it was gluten more than anything. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty practical with my approach, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you, oh, you can never have gluten, you know? Um, but I think it's one of the first things that you could cut out that would make a big difference. Yeah. Um, I've been playing around with dairy recently and taking it, putting it in and then like recently taking it out. I did some blood levels recently where like my LDL cholesterol was like higher than I'd like it to be. Um, and I mean, I feel like I'm pretty active, so I don't, you know, there's, I'm sure there's reasons for that, but I'm curious to do it again and see how it, um, 
how it checks out after removing dairy and maybe yeah. just going to plant-based milks instead. Um, but even during this transition, I, I ordered a matcha latte a couple of days ago and I forgot to clarify that I wanted plant-based milk. And you talk about emotions, like even, I feel like even a stomach ache, you know, can put us in a bad mood or a weird mood and that can just either snowball or just become something more or less, whatever it is. But, um, it's just so fragile, you know, the body. Yeah, it is. Way, so. Um, the body is also amazing though. Like it, right. it will really work for you if you work for it. And, you know, you talk about dairy, that's the next thing. Like, right. if, um, our conventional dairy that's on the market is, is really inflammatory to our gut. Um, so many people think, oh, it's the lactose, you know, I need to be lactose free. And, you know, maybe when you're a baby and you don't have the enzyme to digest it, that might be the issue. But when you're older, it's probably not the lactose. It's more than likely the, the casein protein. So, you know, dairy has whey and casein and the casein is what is, um, causing gut problems and, and typically inflammatory. So, we personally have lucked out and found a farm close to us that they do only A2, A2 casein. Wow. So um, their, their cows are genetically made to only produce A2. So Love it's that. like, I've had friends that I've introduced their mozzarella cheese to who haven't been able to have cheese in years and, and they can, they can eat it, you know? And um, so that's, that's where I get, our dairy from having two daughters. It's really important to me that if they have any dairy, it's organic, um, if not raw from the farm. Hmm. So I, I do think that, um, everyone could probably benefit from if you, if you don't want to give up, you know, cow's milk completely, at least buy organic. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, um, I actually, I think it's a real site that I went to where it was like realmilk.com. I could be wrong. That may not be exactly it, but it actually tells you where you can, there's like a store locator. Or it tells you the closest place to find, you know, the most authentic or, you know, the most, you know, um, real milk, real milk, I guess. Um, but yeah, anyway, so it's, a, it's an interesting experiment, um, but kind of scary at the same time, because like, I mean, no one wants, you know, a heart attack right later on or whatever it may be. So you got to fix it. Um, yeah, yeah. For sure. so, um, well, you know about, yeah, go for it. Well, I was just going to say, you have the right mindset though, introducing more plant-based, um, you know, just, I mean, vegetables, vegetables are the best thing that you can do, you know, for, for any cholesterol or, or heart issue and, um, and then fruit, you know, because it does have a lot of micronutrients, but it does break down into sugar as well. So, um, you know, berries are probably the best option there and, yeah. um, you, saturated fat is kind of the conundrum, right? So, um, I think cutting out dairy really like focusing more on fish and eggs and maybe some, um, pasturees, organic chicken. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not against grass fed beef by any yeah. means, but, um, you know, just staying on, on the lighter side of your proteins, um, and, and, plenty of fiber, which you're going to get if you have plenty of vegetables and fruit, but fiber is huge for, for cholesterol as well. Yeah. So when you were going back to college, when you were in college, when did you decide to pursue a graduate degree in nutrition? Um, so the, 
the university I went to and played volleyball at did not have any kind of nutrition like program. So um, eventually I settled on exercise science and, you know, you get some nutrition within that field and, um, but it, it, it wasn't much. And again, as an athlete, I only had the athletic trainer, the coach to, to ask advice for about like supplements or, you know, um, food and they don't really, they're not, they're not trained in that, you know? So, um, my senior year, they hired a strength and conditioning coach. And so like my spring season, like we were just playing out the rest of the the season, we got to utilize him, but that was it. And so, um, I had a professor that really pushed the CSCS. And so I thought, well, you know, when I'm done with my degree, cause you have to have a degree to get that certification, or at least you yeah. used to, um, I, I knew I wanted to pursue that. So I was doing my internship, pursued my CSCS, eventually got into corporate wellness as a health promotion specialist and a fitness specialist. And that was more of the general public, right? So I thought that maybe I would try to train athletes and, and be a strength coach. And, but really I was personal training, um, just, you know, the general public. So that's why I went and got my CPT, um, certified personal trainer. And I was, I, you know, I was, I had my own little side business where I was traveling to people's homes and personal training them in their homes and sort of like a concierge personal trainer. And of course, everyone asks you like, well, what do I eat? And, and you want to help them. You want to give them this advice, but, um, technically I wasn't, you know, supposed to be, I'm not the nutrition expert. So that's when I knew that I, I needed to go back and, and learn more. And, um, luckily the company I was working for did tuition reimbursement. And, you know, as long as I got A's and B's, I, I got my tuition reimbursed. And, um, so it was a no brainer really. And that's why I chose K state because, um, I was working in downtown Kansas city and still wanted to be able to work. And they had an online program. So it was, it was a win-win for me. I love it. The culture yep. in Kansas city is that, I mean, is it, is it balanced where, you know, there are people that love nutrition or breathe it, or is, I mean, is it all over the place? What is that culture like? So I would say, cause Kansas city is really spread out. And, sure. um, so you have your urban areas and your very rural areas. And just like in most big cities, like, you know, your urban areas, they, they are a little more in tune to nutrition and, um, a little more progressive. And then you have your rural areas where it's a little more old school. And so it's all over the place. Yeah. But you know, with Kansas city being, it's very, um, it, you know, it has medical school. It has some pretty good sports and, um, a lot of art and music happen here. And so I think just the culture here is really, um, growing and it's, it's sort of like the, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say it's the San Francisco of the Midwest, but like, it's, I mean, it could be, you know, it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool progressive city. I love it. That's yeah. awesome. I need to go. I've never been, um, you, you absolutely should. There's a lot of, there's a lot of cool things about it. I mean, 
we're pretty landlocked here besides the, the Missouri and Kansas river, um, which is cool to look at, but that's about as far as it goes. <laughs> there okay. are some people that kayak it and stuff, but, um, we actually live in a little lake community. So yeah. it's kind of nice. Cause I feel like we're tucked away and have this lake and, but yet we're 12 minutes from downtown. So I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. So, and then was your passion for soccer always alive and well, or and like, how did you transition to MLS from there? So, um, after getting my dietetics degree and, um, working in corporate wellness, I switched to, we, we moved. So we moved sure. to a smaller, um, it was a college town, but it was a D2 school and, um, that's where I was a clinical dietitian. So okay. I, I worked in the local hospital and, um, just basically to have a job and keep my skills up. And, um, I would say that I did not love that job. I felt <laughs> like I was keeping, you're just keeping patients alive. You're not helping them. And so it was a little disheartening. Um, and, and just really seeing the, the lack of knowledge that people do have when it comes to nutrition, the, the quality of foods that, you know, cafeterias can put out for their patients. And now not all of them are like that. I did do a couple of rotations where the, the chef and the cafeterias were awesome. And, um, but I just, I did not love clinical dietetics at all. I love the challenge of it because, you know, the disease processes and, um, you know, just learning about the, the body and, and how food can, can relate to that. But it was not my forever job for sure. Um, in the meantime, I, I also was a WIC nutritionist. Um, I volunteered at the college. I helped their volleyball team. I went in every week and spoke to them and helped them with nutrition and got to know a lot of the coaches. And so I would help, you know, well, this basketball player needed help and this football coach had questions. And so I was always in the, the sports realm thinking that, I'm never going to be able to make this a job. You know, it's, it's a really tough field to get into. It's something that not every organization sees um, the value in it and is willing to pay for it. Um, but they'll pay for another strength coach to make you train harder and train longer, but food doesn't have anything to do with it, you know? And so, um, so I just kind of gave up on that and, um, started doing concierge wellness. And so I was part of a wellness team. We had doctor, chiropractor, massage therapist, um, personal trainer, dietitian, like yoga teacher, Pilot. like we had the whole, like, you know, whole approach. And we worked with some high profile CEOs and, um, and I kind of, you know, I did my little side business too, where I'd see patients or clients on my own. And I just thought that was kind of going to be my gig. And, so one of the owners of Sporting KC um, was one of my clients and I went to a Sporting KC event where I knew their chiropractor. I met their strength coach at this event and he said, hey, we're, we're thinking about hiring someone for nutrition. Would you be interested in, in the position? And I, of course I was like, uh, sure. 
you know? Yeah. So it, it wasn't something where I applied for the job or they advertised for it, or it was like, and, and the strength coach really wanted someone that, that he could trust. And so he obviously trusted the chiropractor who trusted me. And so it was kind of that circle of trust. And, um, that's how, that's how I ended up with that job. And okay. they weren't, looking for someone full-time at that moment. Um, so I was like a consultant and I came in and, um, probably two days a week and, and worked with the guys mostly like when they were either pre pre-training or post-training. So I could kind of see like what they were eating. And, um, I completely revamped their training kitchen. Like I pretty much threw away everything that was in there. And cause it was every bagel flavor you could imagine and, um, all the breads and just sugary yogurts and the worst granola bars ever. And so the head coach, Peter was super supportive and he was like, whatever we need to do, let's do it. Let's rip the bandaid off. And so we just threw away everything and started over. And, um, and I presented to them, you know, so I could kind of like okay, this is, this is my philosophy. Um, this is what I think is going to be, you know, the healthiest for you guys. Um, and I over communicate. So I had like tons of handouts and, um, just to try to reiterate what I was, you know, teaching and, um, so that it could help them at home too. But, um, I went to several, I went to games and stuff, but at the time I wasn't like, you know, in the locker room with them. Now the next season, they hired me full time. And that's when I was like at the games making smoothies and stuff like that. So did you, yeah. at that point, did you make changes that you wanted to make, but weren't comfortable making like further changes? Um, so, um, you, you have to put your big girl pants on to work yeah. in an industry like that. You know, you're surrounded, you're a female surrounded by males and, um, so I, I would say that I got out of my comfort zone. Yes. But, um, I also believed in it and I was right. very passionate about it. And so I think that carried over and people, people wanted to, wanted to make these changes because I, you know, put up a good argument why we needed them. So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, yes, yeah, so you're a full-time MLS nutritionist. What, I mean, what's the day in the life of that? Like, like, when does your day start? What does it end? And I mean, you kind of touched on some things, but if you could kind of just yeah. walk me through that. Well, so once I did become full-time, I um, worked with the chef a lot. So we were lucky enough to have a chef. We were able to control breakfast and lunch for the guys. So um, obviously there's a lot of meal planning and menu planning there. Um, I would get there before breakfast, make, make the pre-training smoothies. Um, and then they, but they also had, you know, hot breakfast options and oatmeal and so forth. Um, we had omelets made to order, um, and then we had just, you know, specialty stuff too, that changed periodically. And then when the guys would go out to train, well, I would mingle with them at breakfast and, you know, just talk to them. If, if I had been working with some of them, I would like check in. And, um, but it, it was really just like, just time to get to know them and my presence to be there. Um, 
and also I liked to nitpick at them. Like, why didn't you get any vegetables or, you know, why are you eating all that sugar? And, um, and then they would go train and I would kind of do some administration stuff. So, you know, emails, talk or phone calls, create handouts, whatever it was I needed to do. And then before they came back in from training, I would make post-workout smoothies. And um, so those would be ready for them as soon as they came off the field. And then um, they would be in the training room afterwards, you know, with recovery and stuff. And, and so again, I was in there, in the, in there with them mingling and talking. And um, sometimes I would have individual meetings with them. Um, sometimes we'd have body fat scheduled. Um, some days were recovery days where they did more recovery stuff and I would make recovery shots and, um, and then they would have lunch. And so again, I would be there, you know, during their lunch and, um, I would always go before everything was, was served to make sure that it was kosher and that I approved. Um, cause sometimes the chef would change things up a little bit on me and I wouldn't know. And so I had to stay on top of him a lot and I had to teach him a lot too. In fact, I ended up having a, a meeting with all the kitchen staff, like, look, this is my goal with these guys. You can't be serving them this liquid trans fat, you know, with their omelet or whatever. It has to be real butter or extra virgin olive oil or avocado oil. And, um, anyway, it, it, it's education, education, education. So, um, yeah. I, I would meet with some of the players' wives or families and, you know, try to help them as well. And um, there was a lot of communication with, we had a team app. And so I would contact guys through that. If, if um, it was hot out and they did weigh-ins and they were losing too much water, you know, I would have to stay on them about hydrating. So I would say it, it kind of looked different, you know, all the time, but, but the main consistencies was the meal time and the smoothies. And so, but I worked there, their training, I had to be there at like around eight ish. Yeah. Um, Not not too super early. Um, (laughs) It looks like my face froze for a second. Oh, it's all good. No worries. um, And then I would probably, so I had two young girls and Um, my husband's a physician, so cool. it's safe to say he's the breadwinner. <laughs> and so I would leave different ways. I'm sure. I know I would leave work and cause I would have to go pick up the kids or be home for them, you know, after school. So my day was usually around eight to three 30. Yeah. Um, now the other medical staff, they were there like six 37 until six 37 at night. Um, and that's just, that was their job, you know, is obviously more hands-on and a little different than mine. I can communicate with the athletes, um, via text, phone call, email, however, outside of, of work. So, um, they have to be, they have to be there physically a little bit more. So, sure. So, I mean, like with everyone's body literally being different, did you have individual goals with every player or is that not? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, before, like I went with, I went through every single player and, and talked with them about what their goals were. Um, and then what supplements they were taking. Cause you know, some of them would just take whatever was provided. Whereas others, 
took it upon themselves to, you know, take that further and, and try other supplements. And um, I wanted to make sure that those lined up, you know, well, you, if your if your goal is to increase lean mass, maybe you should have a creatine of some sort instead of, you know, trying to take these supplements like green tea, that's going to help you lose weight or whatever. So anyway, yeah. Um, so I would go through, through them with their supplements, what their goals were, and then I would make recommendations per individual accordingly. Um, yeah. And are they able to correlate like on field success to nutrition and those goals, or is that just too tough? Like it's not apples to apples. So, well, I mean, it depends on what you're measuring, right? So, okay. um, is it, are you cramping or not? Like right. that's a pretty easy one to tell, like, um, if it's working, you know, um, sure. energy levels, GI stuff, soccer players have, you know, they're, they're creating a lot of exercise induced like oxidation and, um, stress really. And so they have some GI issues. They're nervous, you know, before a game. And, um, so I would say like, you know, gut health was definitely something, um, body fat percentages. That was always a, a big thing. Um, but yeah. it, you know, it's, it's really, it's really tough, tough to measure. Um, but there were definitely those people who, um, like I said, you know, weren't cramping anymore or, or did feel better, didn't have to go to the bathroom right before, you know, they, they went out on the field and, um, and had more of that endurance and longevity. Um, so I, I definitely think, you know, that it, it helped. Sure. Uh, and they, they did win the open cup that year that, Look <laughs> that, at that I was like, you know, introducing this nutrition to them. So <laughs> can you, can you like put that on your resume? It's just like, right. this did happen. So oh, I, I totally tease, you know, the head coach and stuff. I was like, you, you know, it's because you hired me <laughs> and you know, they started eating better. That's why they won. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. When we first spoke years ago, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what you told me was soccer players have, um, more of a need for micronutrients. And I'm guessing based off just that your comment about potassium, um, is that accurate versus like basketball and football and other sports? Well, I mean, I, obviously it has to do with playing time and, you know, are they playing the whole 90 minutes of soccer? Like I said, that they create a lot of exercise induced stress. They, they sure. sweat a ton. They're, you know, the needs for endurance is different than the needs for, that, um, start, stop, start, stop. And, and, or like weightlifting and, and more of, um, that type of sport. So, um, I definitely think that they need to supplement with a multivitamin, multi-mineral type, um, of supplement. Wow. Okay. Because I mean, when you're creating that exercise induced stress, you know, it causes oxidation in the body. Um, that's where, you know, free radicals are, are happening. And, you know, that can cause problems down the road if you don't take care of that with antioxidants is what helps take care of those free radicals. So um, I do think that soccer players, because, I mean, it's, they're literally like running seven miles a day, you know, and, and so if you don't have the proper nutrition or micronutrients for recovery, then you're just breaking down the body. Yeah. 
So yeah. you wrote this article. Um, I think it's Sports Today, right? Are you still writing for them? For Soccer Today, yeah. Soccer Today, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's okay. Um, about, is it, like, are Oreos really popular with soccer players? <laughs> That's funny. Um, so before I go to Oreos, I do want to say yeah. that I, um, you know, I'm, like, considered the soccer nutritionist now, which obviously working for the MLS, that's understandable, but I want to say that my approach is going to be the same for basketball, for volleyball, for, you know, you have to start with, with that basic foundation. So yeah, no, it makes anyway, total sense. I'm, I'm not just a soccer nutritionist is what I'm sure. trying to say. But the Oreo thing is funny because, um, the editor in chief of soccer today, her son played for the Academy. So when I was sporting's dietitian, I was also their academy's dietitian, their USL team, and then the first team. So it wasn't just the first team. And, you know, their academy, they're, they're training them and molding them in their ways to eventually hope that they make it to the first team. And so her son played for the academy and she went to one of my presentations because I, let's face it, I'm going to present to... 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds, but how much of that are they actually going to listen to or retain? I need to talk to your parents or the guardians or who's, who's buying the food, who's cooking the food. So I did a lot of presentations for Academy parents and um, which is where I would say I was probably the most impactful, honestly. Yeah. Makes and sense. so Diane was in the crowd. She came up to me afterwards and she, she was like, I have never heard someone talk about nutrition the way that you have. And, um, it's so relatable and I need you to write for me. And, and at the time I was like, oh, I don't have time to do that, you know, but, um, maybe someday. And, and so that someday turned into whenever I, I quit with sporting, you know, yeah. I, I love writing, honestly. Um, nice. if I could hide behind a computer and just, type how I feel in my words, like that would be great. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so I started writing for her and that was the first article she asked me to do. She was like, oh. and she's in like international soccer in that world and stuff too. So um, apparently Oreos are pretty popular and I didn't experience that with, you know, personally with the soccer players, it was, it was other things, but um, I was like, sure, I'll write about Oreos. And so that's how that article came to be. I love it. And I mean, so I'm going to say like you in the article, you write about how they're as addictive as like potentially cocaine. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. I mean, crazy to me. It, it's crazy, but it is, it is the truth. And yeah. you know, Dr. Mark Hyman says it best. They're, they're yeah. Franken foods. You know, they are not real foods. They're made in a lab. They're purposely made to be hyper palatable. Um, you know, you're, your taste buds just go into overdrive when you eat these foods. And it really does trigger those areas, those pleasure areas of the brain just as, as, as a drug would. And so you, you create this, this cycle, like, Oh my gosh, I have to have that feeling again. And so you crave it and then you, you refuel with the same thing. And so it's like this sugar roller coaster that you send your, your brain on. I'd be lying if I didn't say that during COVID, I definitely bought some Oreos and <laughs> I definitely like could not stop eating them, you know, at, at, you know, at one time. So 
Well, it's the you know, we, we all have our vices. Like, oh my God. Yeah. I, um, see, I, I totally like relaxed during COVID and was like, Oh, I can have the, those noodles again or, um, happy hour drink. Like I need something to look forward to. And, um, so yeah, I mean, we were cooking at home all the time, but yeah. it wasn't always the best food because it was like, we, we need something fun and comfort. And so anyway, I think everybody's in that same boat. They picked up a few bad habits and yeah. you know, they, they've got some goals to work on. So yeah, for sure. So you're a mutual follower of Dr. Mark Hyman. I am. Awesome. I am. Love yeah. it. I, He's got some great stuff. He really does. And you know, you, I can connect to his, his story as well. Like he's a medical doctor, you know, traditionally trained. My husband's a medical doctor, traditionally trained. I was a dietitian, traditionally trained yet. We figured out that, you know, there, there is more to taking care of yourself than one, just allowing your genetics to, to take over because you are in control. I mean, yeah, you can't help what, what you were given, but you have a lot of say so in, in what happens with your genes. And, um, you know, you can, you can turn on that cancer gene or you can turn off that cancer gene. And so I just think he, um, he is very practical with his advice. Um, his book food, what the heck should I eat? is, is a great book. And I, you know, I tell a lot of people, um, that they should buy that book as a reference. And, um, anyway, I just think he's, he's in that world and he's pushing a good message all the time. And, um, and, and so I I do really like him a lot. So how do you really feel about protein powders? Uh, well, most of them are crap, honestly. Yeah, Yeah, Um, totally. I think they, they, they just have a lot of cheap ingredients, uh, sucralose, maltodextrin, um, and, and why, like what, why do they need to have all of this stuff in there? You know, um, probably for taste as part of it, but I am more of a natural person. Like if you can get your protein in a smoothie with nut butter, chia seeds, hemp seeds, flax seeds, um, even some Greek yogurt organic, um, (laughs) then, then, you know, I would rather see you get it through natural sources than putting in this, this fake powder. Now there are, there are some that are good and that have, you know, one, two, three ingredients in them and, and you know what they are. And those are the ones that, you know, I would, I would tell people to, to go for. So, yeah. So, I mean, I I feel the same way. Um, I mean, it's, I think there's different, there's been different stages in my life where it's like, it's easy, right? Like if I'm on the go, you know, it feels like, okay, there's protein, there's greens, whatever. But what always trips me up is what you just said is the ingredients, like the number of ingredients, the fact that our bodies can only process so much protein at one time. Right. Um, people come to me and they say, Oh, well, like this has all these ingredients. Can you talk about like assimilation and how like our bodies just can't assimilate all that at once? Well, so or is that, is that not it? Is that not accurate? Well, I mean, you know, our, our bodies are trying to process so, so much. And mm-hmm. so not just the food that we put into our body and those, those chemicals basically, because food breaks down into, um, at a cellular level and basically tells our cells like what to do. And so if we're putting in all this 
all these chemicals or, or fake foods or um, preservatives, for example, our bodies don't know what to do with preservatives. Like it, we, our guts can't break them down. And so one of two things happens when, when, you know, the body is presented with something that it doesn't know what to do. It will just bundle it up into our body fat and store it because it's like, I'll just deal with you later. Or, you know, systemically it can cause like a reaction and, and over time leaky gut, you know, because our, we're just tearing up our guts with all of this, um, you know, these horrible chemicals. And so our liver as well is constantly trying to detoxify, regenerate. And, um, when we put bad things into our body, the lotions, the hair stuff that we put on our body, the things that we surround ourselves with, um, you know, cleaning products, chlorine in a pool, um, you know, petroleum gases, whatever, like it, it just, eventually it's going to break down. It just cannot keep up. So Um, that's why, you know, I feel like people experience issues with their hormones and, you know, maybe they're not able to have babies or, um, they're having like all these gut problems and, um, or skin issues. It is your body telling you like, it can't keep up. You have to change. You need to do something and, um, you need to, you know, you have to listen. So, yeah. So I mean, speaking of detox and natural cleaning products, I had no idea about detoxifying your body from, I guess, unnatural cleaning products like soap and like that has an effect, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like knowing what, where your food comes from and what the food is. Same thing with your, with your beauty products and so forth. Yeah. Uh, makes total sense, I guess. I guess just when I first read it, I was like, huh, I, you know, I didn't think of soap, I guess, or things like that. But even though I buy clean stuff, I just, I can't imagine everyone thinks like that. No, no. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I I want to get the word. I want to educate, you know, as much as possible because no, this is not stuff that people just know or think about, you know, because again, one, all the things that are being promoted, you know, are, are not this usually. So it's, sure. it's all the, the unhealthy stuff. And, um, and when you get into that self, I don't want to say self-preservation, but you're in life and you're just like trying to survive and, um, you know, it's easy to allow others to think for you and, sure. and just to go through the motions and like, well, you know, the government's not going to tell me to, to eat this if it's not good for me and sort of thing. And we've just lost the ability to, to think for ourselves and, um, or, or even want to think for ourselves, you know, and usually until something, something goes wrong and we have, we have to like, look at it in a different way. Yeah. I mean, especially with all that, especially with so much content in the world right now, we're just receiving all the time. Um, yeah. it can't be good for us on top of all that. Yeah. I, I think I've said this before. Ignorance is bliss sometimes. Right. Yeah. Completely. Um, I, it's a, it's a rabbit hole. Like when I start reading stuff that's out there and I just, I I just have to turn it off. I'm like, I'll just want to either argue with them or, um, you know, I'm just like, Oh, people are going to believe this. And, um, with social media and, and all the avenues that we have too, 
get whatever messages out that we want, you know, it's, it's really, it's really tough. Yeah. So you're still writing for soccer today. Is that right? Yep. Sweet. Yep. And then that's awesome. And you're, and now you're doing Amy Dirk sports nutrition too, right? Yeah. So, um, that, that's kind of been my baby this past couple of years, basically Amy Dirk sports nutrition developed through my experiences with athletes and, and working with teams. And then obviously, um, my experience starting a sports nutrition with, within the MLS and, um, cause there, there's no like handbook that, that you're given like, okay, here's, here's what you do with this team, you know, to start the sports nutrition program. And with me having the approach that I have like more holistic and, um, I had a hard time. Like I wasn't trying to reinvent the wheel necessarily. I'm like, if I can find a handout that I can just tweak or, you know, um, give to the guys so that I don't have to create it, then awesome. But I couldn't, I, you know, I didn't want to tell them to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all the time or drink chocolate milk as your recovery. Like that wasn't, that wasn't my philosophy. So I had to create everything myself. So presentations, videos, handouts, um, you know, you, you name it, I created it. And I kind of knew that with, with the schedule that the MLS had, like, I probably wasn't going to be able to keep up with that for a long time. So, um, in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, I, this, all these, all these things that I'm creating is, is going to help somebody and I should do something with it. And, and so I knew, you know, helping the Academy and the USL and the MLS team. Um, but not everybody can afford to hire a sports nutritionist and uh, it's just not in their budget. And so, and then with COVID too, I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to make this a virtual you know, program so that any sports team can, that wants to implement sports nutrition into their curriculum, but doesn't know where to start can just purchase my program. And it's, it's all there ready for them. You know, all they have to do is decide when they want to implement it. And if they want to implement it like super fast or over the whole season or over the whole year. Um, and I, you know, I explain in the videos how to use the handouts or how to use the presentation. So, I mean, you could even just get like an intern to, to implement the program or your captain of the team or the athletic trainer or whoever. So that's cool. That's, that's where Amy Dark sports nutrition came from nice. um, is a way for me to help other teams and sort of like be their nutritionist, but not have to physically be there. So is that the long-term goal is just to have that available to everyone or is there something beyond that? Uh, no, there, there will be beyond that. Um, yeah. cool. it, cause this is, this is the start, right? Like, sure. so this is the foundation program. So you can't get sports specific, gender specific, um, age specific without starting here. And so the, the ADSN program is your solid sports nutrition foundation. And there's, there's supplements in there. There's, you know, there's all sorts of stuff, but, um, you know, I, it's still general. It's, it's not super specific because if you're not doing the basics, right, then it doesn't matter what else you do, because, you know, I believe that you cannot out supplement a bad diet. You cannot out train a bad diet. And, and so this is where you start. I love it. 
Um, so I want to wrap up with some personal topics. Do you okay. have like a sweet or savory tooth? I am not a sweet tooth person. I am a savory tooth person. So you put chips and salsa in front of me or chips and guacamole <laughs> and I will go to town. <laughs> I love it. I'm jealous because if it says artisan bakery, I am there. Um, yeah. So you it's like, tough. you like the sweet side of things. Yeah. Yeah. My, I mean, so my mom's dad, uh, who's from Greece, uh, came to the U S um, and basically opened up a chocolate shop. And it's still like alive and well. It's actually, really? actually, actually, the crazy thing is during COVID, they had one of their best years ever. Um, it's uh, called the Commodore. And I mean, it makes sense, I guess, right? With everyone being stressed. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's called the Commodore. Awesome. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, it's it's so, in upstate New York. And it's, I think you, you still can't order online, which we've been giving him crap about you know, for I was going to ask that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you're ever in like upstate New York, you know, near, even near New York city, um, it's in a town called Newburgh that, you know, it's, it's rough. Um, I wouldn't say it's a great tourist spot, but yeah. Um, yeah. So. But I, I, like when we travel, that's, those are the places that we like to go. Like yeah. I don't necessarily want to see all the touristy stuff. So yeah, um, I, I would love to check out a place like that. Yeah. it's so, cool. The whole like Greece and your, you know, heritage. And so have you been to the Mediterranean? Yeah. We yeah. did that. We did that. Um, man, I think it was like 2012. I want to say I'm going to butcher the year, but around then 2012, 2013. Yeah. That's so awesome. That's my bucket list is because the Mediterranean diet is, you, you know, it's the standard gold diet. Like if you had to follow one diet, yeah, maybe some tweaks with the grains and stuff, but, um, for the most part it is, you know, you, you just can't go wrong with it really. So I, from a culinary perspective, obviously a, a beauty too, like just Albania, like Greece, any of those places I want to, I want to go to. Check it out. It's incredible. We did. Um, so my family is from a small town called Skuda, which is outside of Sparty. Um, so technically I guess we're Spartan. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we did that. We did that for like six, I want to say maybe three to four days. Um, and every morning you wake up and you hear talk about like, you know, your own, you know, farm, basically you hear the bread truck coming through the village with fresh bread, uh, every morning. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean that, so we went to France right before COVID sort of went crazy. And actually that was where I first heard about the coronavirus was on a news channel while we were in Paris. Wow. Um, but I was so excited to, to be there and to not feel guilty for having, you know, bread or noodles or cappuccino or whatever, just, they just do things so differently over there. And we really should take notes and, you know, yeah. you have, you have to get back to the way that your, your grandparents ate and, you know, eat from the earth and, um, just do things that old school way. And we would all be so much healthier for it. Yeah. I have a similar grandmother to you who would basically cook every meal from home. And yeah. if I didn't, I'd make sure I had to eat everything basically. Uh, yep. yeah. I mean, she lived yep. to be, man, I think, I mean, mid nineties. Um, and that entire side, just longevity through and through crazy. 
That's awesome. That is, yeah. that is amazing. Well, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I asked you about like your tastiest snack. I need to make these Amy's nut butter energy balls. They sound <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I used to make them quite a bit for sporting. Um, and, and I just took like bits and pieces of recipes, you know, that I had seen, but I definitely tweaked them a lot with the cacao powder and, um, the coconut oil and, and so forth. So, but my nine-year-old loves those and she loves to make them. And so we make, we make them pretty often and freeze some, and then we give them like to the teachers and stuff as gifts. And, um, I, I try to, I try to, I'm that mom that like, doesn't bring actual treats. I'll bring like non-food stuff or, or maybe like some, some homemade popcorn from the local, like little popcorn place. And so anyway, my kids are like, uh, mom, can we just have the cookies that are bad for you? (laughs) That's hilarious. Someday you're going to thank me. I promise. Exactly. Um, so I guess last question would be like, do you have top, top three wellness goals in mind for like short-term midterm and long-term in the future for the future for you? For me personally? Yeah. Um, so I mean, post COVID. Yeah. Like I, I really need to, to focus on, um, getting back to being more gluten-free. Um, I, you know, I have that 80, 20 approach. So truthfully, 80% of the time, I know I'm doing the right things and what I should be doing and what I should be eating and, um, drinking plenty of water and getting plenty of sleep and so forth. But 20% of the time, like, you know, I, I feel like you have to live life and have fun. And, um, you know, I think one of the questions that you had asked, um, on paper was like cravings and, and, you know, how do you handle cravings and stuff like that? I don't, because I don't deprive myself of anything like, okay, well, if I really want those dark chocolate almonds, I'm gonna have a few, but I don't have to eat the whole container, you know? Um, and so I, I feel like that is how I manage and, and stay, you know, been the same weight for 20 years now or something. I don't know. Like, um, because, because I don't deprive myself and, 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 you know, when you, when you stop having those foods that create that roller coaster, you know, with insulin and the brain and, um, you, you don't really crave, like, I don't, I don't eat sugar. Like, you know, I, I love the taste of vegetables and fruit is sweet enough for me. And, but it takes time to get to that point. You know, if you're used to eating processed foods and fast food and so forth, like, no, your palate is, is different. It's not going to appreciate the taste of steamed broccoli with a little butter and some salt. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's a process. Yeah. I was talking so, to someone about that last night about just how even mental stuff, like it's a practice, you know, like you can't expect it, you know, you can't expect it to change immediately and just keep working on it. Yeah. No. It, and it's not an all or none approach. And, and so that's what I try to tell people because they think, Oh, I have to change all of this at once, or I have to work out the whole 45 minutes at one time. And, um, no, you don't, you, you can baby step this as much as you need to until it becomes a habit and then you can add more to it, you know? So if, if you can pick one or two things that you can do, that's good for yourself every day, then, 
that's two more things that you were doing, you know, than what you were doing before. So you can't look at it as all or none or else you feel like you're failing all the time. Um, and that's, that's just, that's not a good way to, to approach it. So yeah, I need to, um, cut back on some of those foods that I know are not, you know, um, healthy for me personally. Um, keep increasing more vegetables, um, into not only my diet, but the kids and the hubby. And, um, and I usually am able to do that through smoothies and salads. Um, and then sometimes we'll do like Buddha bowls or poke bowls or, um, you know, and I can always throw in some things that way. Um, the air fryer, honestly, um, I have a Ninja, it's a toaster oven, but it's also has an air fryer setting. And so, you know, when I cut up sweet potatoes or potatoes or zucchini and, um, it, it cooks it to a good texture. And, and so it feels like you're having more like French fries instead of, um, squishy zucchini. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've, I've always stayed pretty consistent with, with working out. I yeah. always drink plenty of water. Um, which you said you struggle with a little bit. Oh my bit. God. I don't know how you do that. I, <laughs> well, yeah. To me, I'm like, I don't know how you cannot. So, yeah. you know, I keep water by my bed. So as soon as I wake up in the morning, I have, I have water and because you do dehydrate as you sleep. So, sure. um, I try to drink water before I have coffee. And then, um, if you're drinking teas, then, you know, you're getting some, some hydration in that way as well. But, you know, I just fill up like either a water bottle or a huge 40 ounce, um, cup and just keep it with me at all times. If I travel anywhere, I have water with me. If I, um, even throughout the house, like if I'm sitting on my computer somewhere, the water's beside me. Um, I tell people to set an alarm on your phone every two hours, it's going to go off. And that reminds you, you need to take a drink. You know, there's apps that do it too, but, um, and, and then, you know, if you're not going to the bathroom every couple hours, two to three hours, then you're probably not drinking enough. And, um, like same thing with your urine color. Like if it's yeah. not lemonade, then, you know, or clear, then you're not drinking enough. So, yeah. Every, so every morning I wake up and I'll, I'll, I'll drink, you know, um, I'll drink some water and then, I, you know, obviously with tea, like you were saying that helps. Um, but I found myself like after maybe 12 PM to like five or even, even at night, I mean, I tried to think of it before I go to bed, but it just not the first priority is what I was saying. Yeah. Hey, what I think, you know? So, yeah, well, it, you know, I, I see people and, and I try helping them and, you know, they're having coffee in the morning. Uh, diet Coke with lunch, um, wine with dinner, and, and they're just, they're not drinking, you know, hardly any water. They have headaches, lack of energy, can't go to the bathroom very well. Um, and it's all like a quick fix if they would just drink more water, you know, and yeah. seeing tons of people who switch from, from sodas and, you know, to water lost tons of weight and, it's amazing. Like, cause water is involved in every bodily process and, you know, we're mostly comprised of water. So if we're not drinking enough, then, um, our bodies aren't functioning at top tip top shape. Crazy. And, and you can, so make, you can make water like enjoyable. 
I, I love putting cucumber, lemon, mint, strawberries, blueberries, grapefruits, like whatever, you know, to, to kind of make it a little more fun. Sometimes I'll even get a wine glass. Honestly, this is how like my brain works. Yeah. Um, it's a treat then like I'm putting sparkling water or water with lemons and make it look pretty in my wine glass. And then I'm like super satisfied. <laughs> I love it. Well, so shout out to a friend of mine, Julie Morris, who has a superfood cookbook that, um, Navitas used to, uh, used to, yeah, I mean, we had a history with that, but she would, um, went through a house in Ventura and she would add rosé, you know, half the amount that you would, you know, put, but then she would top it off with another half of sparkling water, um, yeah. with a flavor that would, you know, blend well with that, with that rosé. Yeah. So that yeah. was a cool trick. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to check out her, her cookbook. Yeah. Um, super cool. Living at a lake. That is, that is the trick to when you're out on the boat, we, we would have wine, rosé, champagne, whatever, but we would add sparkling water to it to dilute it. And then, you know, you're out in the sun, you're out in the water, like probably shouldn't just be having wine straight the whole day. So yeah, the sparkling water thing is, is a good trick. Definitely. Nice. Well, I really appreciate this time. I don't want to take more of it, but it was so good talking to you. I, I love talking about this and I, I know my husband's probably like, thank goodness. She's talking to somebody else besides me about it. Oh, so. that's so cool. Well, <laughs> yeah. Good health, no. I guess. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I, you know, I'm passionate about it and, um, it's, it's fascinating to me. So I, I really do when I meet someone else who, um, is like-minded, it's, it's always a really nice organic conversation. So, yeah, cool. Well, Thanks again. I mean, I don't know what to say. I would love to, you know, just keep in touch and, you know, come back on you know, later on and be sweet. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. Let me know if I can, if I can help you in any way. I love it. Cool. Thank you for listening to our second episode with Amy Dirks, MLS nutritionist. I hope you join us next Wednesday when all podcasts are launched on Spotify and YouTube. We have a special guest for our third episode. He joined us for a half hour, so it'll be a little shorter, but I'm very excited to showcase my time with our next guest. Thanks again for listening and I hope you enjoyed it.